Hey everybody, we have world-class wake surfing champion, two-time wake surfing champion, and a whole host of other championships and medals, one along the way. Raleigh Hager won her first championship at 10, doubled up at 11, when the average age for winning this event is somewhere in the early 20s, 22, 23. So a complete anomaly in the world-class scene and probably in any athletic scene. Her story is amazing because after becoming world-class champion, she fell into the dregs of depression, bipolarism, and spent eight years there, medicated and under the care of psychologists and doctors, before finally having an epiphany of, this isn't working, I got to get out of this. And she figured out in that hole that she was in, so deep and so dark, how to get out of it all on her own, bucking conventional uh, authority and wisdom and scaring the hell of all the people that were trying to help her along the way by doing it herself. This is her story from the very top to the very bottom to finding her balance again. And you got to hear it, multi-episodes. Check in here right now with me and Raleigh Hager, world-class wake surfing champion. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to another episode of the Who Are You podcast with Biotropic Labs, sports performance supplements for people who move, and I really have what I think is an amazing story today with a courageous and amazing young lady here. I think she's lived three lives here. She's been a world-class athlete, we're going to hear about it, but she also was later diagnosed bipolar and she lived in a world of hell for about, I don't know, six or eight years. And the amazing thing about the hell that she was living in is how she got out of it. That's the story I think you really need to hear. And uh, I'm dying to get into the details here. This is a really, really strong and uh, very smart woman here. And I'm dying to hear the whole story. I think of it as a bit of a Lazarus story because I think she really did pull herself back from the brink of death. So I want to welcome Raleigh Hager here. Raleigh, hey, how you doing? And thanks for coming. I'm good. How are you doing? Thanks I'm for doing, having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing just fine, man. I'm doing just fine. I'm excited to have you because really you have a you have a crazy but very good and very moving story and everybody needs to hear about it. And uh, uh, again, just thank you so much for coming because I think it took a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage for you to talk about these kinds of things because they're highly personal. I mean, it's my life. I'm used to talking about it. <laughs> a lot of people don't. A lot of people are real private about these sort of things, and it's understandable. They, mm -hmm. they think the world looks at them in a funny way. And uh, I've been around bipolarism, and I've been around schizophrenia, and I've been around some of these mental illnesses that really impact people in a, in a negative way. Uh, and even when they find ways through them, they're still living in their own minds anyway, under the stigma of the problem, and they tend to be very quiet and, and more intimate about it. You're coming right out with it, so I want to thank you again for sharing it here. Let's start off with you as an athlete, because you are a crazy talented world-class athlete here. Wake surfing, right? Yes. All right, what is wake surfing? Tell us all about it. So wake surfing is a water sport that you do behind a boat. So you have like, I ride for Centurion boats. I usually fill up one side of the boat and weight it down and then it'll create a big wave that is able to push you on a surfboard. And you get up on a surfboard, you're not strapped in or anything. I use surf wax. Other people can use traction. There's two styles. There's surf style and skim. I ride surf, which is more like ocean surfing, and skim's just like 
a thin factory made board and you get pulled up with the rope and you go onto your side and then once you feel the wave pushing you, you throw the rope into the boat and then you're surfing, you're going, it's pushing you. You can do tricks, you can do whatever, you can just chill out. It's pretty pretty relaxing, honestly. <laughs> You're so good you got on the world stage, but just before we get there, did you know I was a wake surfer too? <gasps> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't very good at kneeboarding. I could ski, and my brother introduced me to wake surfing, and I'm one of those, you know, wobbly wake surfers. Yeah. You know, I don't get pulled up on a rope. So the way I do it is I just get on a board. I don't remember how it starts. I think we're we're rolling along, and there's just enough wake, and we just get in off the back of the boat, off the transom. Is that a way to get in the water? That actually is. Um, do you put like the nose of your board on the deck and then like lean back? Because that, that's a way. Maybe that's how I, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I've done it before, but um, for like custom made surfboards that could be damaging to the board to put it on the dock and step on it. So I just, I just get up in, in the water. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not good enough to do it that way. I must be using a rope. I just can't, it's been a little bit of while. I can't remember, but it's a lot of fun. I can, I can attest that the, to the limited degree to which I've done it is a huge bunch of fun. Mm -hmm. But you did it as uh, at, at a high level, and so how did you discover it? What happened? Ooh, that's a long story. All right. <laughs> so um, it all started when I was like five. I just like heard about what ocean surfing was, and I was like, oh my god, I need to try this. Like, this is so cool. So my dad and I went up to Carlsbad, California, and I got my first surf lesson, and I instantly fell in love. And my parents fell in love with it because they're like, oh my god. It's the first time I've seen her like chill out. <laughs> I'd like sleep on the beach afterwards. So they're like, we need to keep on doing this. But, um, you know, I live, I live in Austin in the middle of Texas. So it's pretty hard to get out to the ocean sometimes. So I just like continue to like drive out to Corpus or Port A. And then later on, I did another surf camp in California. Super, super fun. Then I was probably about like seven or six when I heard about wakeboarding. So I started trying that out. I liked it. I liked it. You know, it wasn't the same feel as ocean surfing, like not as natural, but, you know, I enjoyed it. Anything out on the water, I pretty much enjoyed. Um, and then on YouTube, I remember wake surfing was starting to get popular and my dad was telling me about it. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's crazy. That's like best of both worlds. I need to, I need to try this. And I remember I like, I was so tiny I'd stand up on the board with my dad on it too and even that was just like so much fun and such a huge adrenaline rush and I just continued from there we borrowed our friend's boat um and just kept on going it was a shit wave <laughs> like um but it was still so much fun um yeah and then I started being able to get up on my own at the time I was riding skim and um I'd always surf down the lake and whatever and I remember one day I was uh at the gas station on the lake and this guy comes up to me on his boat and he was like oh my god I need to get your daughter on one of my boards she's going to be the next world champion the is next this big guy thing named Chase his name is Billy Clark Billy Clark okay yes he was my first board sponsor okay. um he just saw you doing this and jumped on it yeah he it. just jumped on it immediately he was running a surf school um yeah, he was pretty nice, and he got me my first custom board. Like, I had no idea, like, how nice a board could be. <laughs> and, uh, 
yeah so i was just writing that and my dad's like oh they're having like a couple local comps like do you want to try it and i was like "Ooh, sure why not <laughs> like i'm not expecting too much from it and i was in two divisions uh one woman's and one co-ed and i placed in both so I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe I should continue to do this. And then the next uh, competition, Waketoberfest, um, I won an amateur, which was like the only, like it was either women's or they didn't have all all the different divisions. I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that. Then it just went on from there and I started going to bigger comps. What's the average age of a winner at the world's level? I mean... Average age, you know, roughly. Average age, uh, like... Early 20s, okay, just 20-somethings. You heard it. <laughs> but you fell in love with this sport, and you progressed rapidly. You've just described some of that, and it seems like it was a real natural thing for you. Like mm -hmm. It almost sounds like I've known athletes that are great, superior like you, where they fell into something that worked so well, they kind of said, well, you know, I'm so good at this. I ought to see it through. I ought to see where mm -hmm. this can take me. And they just, they just get into it full board. That's what happened to you, right? That's how it worked for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's just like, wow, this doesn't feel like I'm working <laughs> I'm like or practicing. I'm just like surfing every day, like, I don't know, for hours at a time. And now, who was your coach that had the big air style? Oh, um, I did get um, a lesson in the beginning from Chase Hazen, which in my opinion is one of the best surfers, wake surfers out there still to this day. Back in the day, he was like the current world champion. He has like amazing, huge airs and like crazy good surf style which I admire a lot like a lot of other surfers are into surfish tricks and like a lot of skim tricks but I just love that true surf style very so, smooth so there's a purer form of the sport is that what you're saying that is, is there a different style of doing it the way Chase does it than than other people oh yeah do it? everyone honestly can have their own style I see like I see. um I see there's just all different kinds of stuff like a lot of people can do lots of shoves and like lots of spins and do tricks like really fast i like to do like big carves and like big airs and grabs and uh you know would it be similar to, to snowboarding in that sense that each snowboarder has their own signature and style even though there's compulsory things that they have to do when they're competing they all have their own signature I mean, I'm assuming so. I've never snowboarded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check it out sometimes. See if, no, see, I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it at the next Olympics. Yeah. Uh, so I hear that you would air bigger than most guys. I mean, I guess. <laughs> air, air meaning getting way up high in the air. And uh, I mean, th what's, look, at this is a big deal because the fact of the matter is men generally have stronger legs mm -hmm. and can do more with all that muscle mass uh, than women can. But mm -hmm. here you are proving all of that wrong. You're 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 outdoing most men getting huge air. How, what was your what was your technique for that? When I was little, I was very small. <laughs> was another thing. I just like throw my body up there. <laughs> so you use momentum. Yeah, uh, I like more. pump into the wave really hard. I have to throw up my arms, pull up my knees. It's like doing an air is like more energy than doing like a 360. Or like anything like that, like it requires a lot more. Do you, do you measure how high you get when you do these? I things? never have. <laughs> it's not something that's done. It's not like I can just have yeah. a measuring tape uh, under right, there real right. quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got these laser measuring devices oh. these days. You never know. Um, all right. Well, your pop would drive you. Your father would drive you because oh, you're yeah. very young at the time. Yeah. And he would drive you to all of your uh, uh, workouts, right? Yeah, he drove me to everything. <laughs> and your competitions, right? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't get you out of the water at all, could mm -mm. we? How much do you love the water? 
Oh, I love the water so much. There's like been days in my life where I've been so stressed out and can't get outside that I had to take like three baths that day just to <laughs> be in the water. Like I love even just being near it. I don't even have to be in it. It's like so soothing. Now, this is a, I know this is a silly question, but I've never trained as a, as a wake surfer. What does training look like? What does it look like? And how many hours a day? What's, what's, what's an average week look like for a, for a wake surfer and how many hours? Well, a competing wake surfer, I haven't competed in a couple of years, but when I was younger, I'd go at least like five times a week. And how long a day? Probably like two hours. I don't know. I just like would try and practice my comp runs over and over again, which like took out a lot of energy. So sometimes it'd end a little bit shorter if I was just practicing comp runs instead of just like like having fun and comp stuff. runs meaning competition runs, yes. right? Yeah. What is a comp run? Comp run, so in the competition, it's timed or like they have buoys and they'll tell you the time, like how long it takes to get from one buoy to another. So like uh, me and my dad would just like, he he would like get his hand and move it across his face and be like, start. And then he'd time it and I'd try and do everything I can. And you'd get three falls. So each time I'd fall, I have to get up and try something different and hopefully get it. And then once I get to the end of the course, I get one pass back, but still the same amount of falls. I, my understanding is that you were, quote, a freak, unquote, uh, natural talent, that you were really a naturally gifted athlete. You did have great coaches, and of course you had to continue to learn to be better, but you gave so much to your coaches really because you were so good at it, so naturally gifted at it, that uh, this is what really helped elevate you. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's a great book out. I recommend everyone read it. It's solid from front to back called Outliers. And Outliers talks about the whole notion of, of 10,000 hours of work at any one thing before you become a top-level pro and professional at it. You definitely did that kind of time. But one of the other things the book is really strong at is pointing out the difference between so-called natural talent and the rest of us. And after having read it, mathematically it all adds up, it all makes a whole bunch of sense, but Raleigh and I have both been in high-level sports scenes. We both know that there is really such a thing called natural talent, that some people really do have it, and that it makes no sense. They're just really, really good at what they do, exceedingly good. You're in that club. You're, you're one of those people, I think, that breaks the rules, uh, according to 10,000, uh, rather outliers, according to outliers anyway. You sort of break those rules. You know who else broke those rules? Guy named Michael Phelps. Ever heard of him? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> He's special, I know. So are you, and so are you. So here we go. How special is this young lady? Here, phase one of her person. Uh, she goes pro at 10 years old. That's why I asked you earlier about what the average age of a winner is. We're saying 22, 20, 22, 23, something like that. You're mm -hmm. 10 years old when you win your first world championship, right? Mm -hmm. What the hell's that all about? I don't know. I don't either. I just I had a good run that day I, on my finals. Run, I had a good-ass run, like better than I usually would get at home. <laughs> I, I heard that the, the organizers, when you were 10 years old and won the Worlds, didn't really dig that too much. What was their problem with you winning at 10 years old? I don't know. Everyone was just like, is this like for real? <laughs> like, is this kind of a scam? I remember my competitors were like trying to protest. Like, I remember my coach even had to, dude, she won. She's amazing like at surfing she yeah, didn't win just because she's a kid surfing she won because she can surf no i don't i don't know the culture i don't know the scene um i've never heard of such a thing where someone wins something uh, at that level anyway and uh, it's protested 
Yeah, uh, some the comps do by it. By the competitors. Yeah, some some comps do it, some don't. It's I don't know. I don't know if like it's actually ever changed, but it's a it's a thing. Now they start in the past few years they started posting the um podiums before the the ceremony so they can protest. But they didn't used to do that while I was competing, which I don't like ruins the surprise <laughs> absolutely yeah. but i mean i guess i get it but i don't know what do you think the general thought was among the crowd that you competed in when as a 10 year old you sort of took the crown from people twice your age and over twice your age i don't know i mean, they, I mean that's not normal yeah it's not normal to be 10 <laughs> years old and take the crown away from people who who take twice as long to be alive to, to win that. It's mm-hmm. a lot more practice, a lot more time on the water, mm-hmm. crazy amount of time on the water and practicing with technique and g- great coaches. And you come along and just take it away. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I guess I, don't. I can see why they were a little pissed yeah, off. Yeah, they were a little mad. <laughs> I just came out. That was my like first year like actually competing. And <laughs> that was like, your first year competing? Yeah. <laughs> very talented. Very, so talented. It's so yeah. amazing. I didn't do well at the nationals before that, though. I didn't podium or anything, but then I came back. Hey, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know it doesn't matter, obviously. You know, if you but never it was did just funny. anything ever again in the sport, which you did, you did a lot more. But if you never did anything after that, but, but win that title, you'd have done everything. Basically. I mean, people probably said at 10 years old, yeah, it's a fluke. Yeah. This isn't real. This didn't happen. Okay, it happened, but it didn't happen. But you, you come back next year and you do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Beating people at 11 years old, right? Yes. Twice your age again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's, well, it's two questions I want to ask here. What does it feel like at 10 years old to win? What's that feeling like for you when you that realize was, you're the world champion? I remember like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go back. Okay. So when they announced to play second, like my mom looked at me, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Raleigh. And like everyone like looked at me with a sad face because they like thought someone else was going to win. And then they said my name, like... That was like the most surprising feeling, like that high of getting up on the stage or the podium and like looking around was like the biggest high I've ever had. Like I remember looking to like my main competitor, Ashley Kidd, which she's like amazing. And I was just like, this feels weird. (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) It was it was funny. I don't know. It was just it felt felt weird. I was always very humble about it. So very humble. But there's a but there's a legitimate feeling of power in that moment isn't there yeah a little bit unexpected power i'm just like what do i do with this i don't know (laughs) yeah no that's it's it's a great feeling i I just imagine that you were on top of the world another thing you just said that indicates just how good you were at that time 10 years old 11 years old is your people around you already recognize how great you are your your close intimate friends mother father because you just said they're saying oh we're sorry you're not going to win the expectation was that you actually could win at 10 and 11 years old well because they were already saying oh you know we're sorry you're young you probably won't win and then you get the title then then you win yeah i thought i would get like fourth or fifth so i don't don't know i don't you felt you would get fourth or fifth was that because you were just young and didn't Yeah, think it you- wasn't anything against, like, me doubting myself. I was like, this is my first year com- right. competing, and all these girls have been doing it for a while now. They're all older than me. Like, <laughs> I, So it just seemed natural for you, not yeah. because you couldn't win, but because oh, I'm young, it's my yeah. first time or I'm second time. Like, maybe in, like, 
a few years i'll like get up like second or something second or third like that'd be really dope like i thought i had to like take my time to get my place but and what year was that second championship in the first one was two was it 2011 11 and then the second one was 2012 12. yeah but then so, then you did something in 2013 i got second you, well, <laughs> how terrible <laughs> Jeez. yeah <laughs> i mean in other words what you did was you decided that you'd had enough of being front and center on the gold medal stand you wanted to give that podium <laughs> I just spot step down you know let, let them have it. i'm just kidding <laughs> you, were just, you were just being polite so you went undefeated two seasons in a row Mm-hmm. And you also got a couple of paydays for each of these. What was the payday on the first one? On the first world championship? It was about $8,000. It was 6000 the first year. And then the second year, it was 12000 12000 <laughs> Did any of that money go into Fergus? No, my parents bought me Who's Fergus. Fergus? Who's Fergus? So Fergus <laughs> is my pet mini pig. <laughs> mini How's Fergus doing? You still got Fergus? Oh, yeah. He's doing good. He just likes like, to lay out in the sun a lot and get tummy rubs, eat food, <laughs> root around, play in the mud. You know, he's just big. <laughs> Was he the product of a bet? Yes. So before Worlds, I made a bet with both of my parents. I was like, hey, if I podium uh, at Worlds, could I get a mini pig? They're like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, not even just to win, to get up on the stage. They're like, yeah, you, you can get one, like good luck <laughs> and um so yeah i ended up i remember right when i got down from the stage i was like fergus it's coming i got a question for you why not a dog a horse a donkey a chicken i mean you know, egg laying hands why? <laughs> why i don't know i mean i have dogs i've always had all kinds of animals like i just wanted a pig i remember my mom was the one who showed me like pictures of the like baby mini pigs so i thought they were so cute and i thought they'd stay small that's not the case but i still i love all animals i find the beauty and like even the ugliest animals so they get big they get dense they get very oh, yeah. heavy and they're also very very smart you can train them so smart he won't listen to me because he's he doesn't want because to. he's trained yeah he, he trained himself <laughs> he's, he knows. he's too smart <laughs> so you were x game top 20 uh in texas mm-hmm. uh athlete tell me about that i didn't really understand all that i just got like a message one day saying i was like number two in it and then the first person was a wakeboarder so it was just like all water sports i was like whoa that's cool <laughs> do you think you had any competitive adv- no, we know you're naturally talented that's that goes without saying but but that aside for a second do you think you had any competitive advantage in training or in competition something else that's more tangible than the intangibleness of being naturally gifted my surf style kind of got me an advantage like a lot of the other girls could do a lot more tricks than me but I'd be able to do like my tricks very surf style and smooth which would give me an advantage the way just like I don't know I didn't try to act a certain way or anything I was just, just did what you did yeah That's I just really did what whatever did. I'd run around I'd make friends and hang out with the kids we go like down a water slide like whenever I'm not competing like I didn't stress out about it or anything sometimes when you're naturally gifted like you as we just said, you just sort of do your own thing. But sometimes you have a coach that says, yeah, doing your own thing is really critical. you got to be you, but there's a lot of technique that we've got to focus on here. How much does technique play a role in succeeding at the level you were competing at? Honestly, I think it's good. This, like, this is how I coach. Like When I do I like give the person like the basic tips and moves, but I'm also like, do whatever feels most comfortable to you because everyone can do a trick 
in their own way differently. Like everyone's foot stance is different. The way people carve is different. Like everything's different for everyone. I feel like, you know, when you're competing at the highest level and you're in that club, what's that feel like? I know what it feels like you describe being on the podium stand and winning, but what about the process of competing to get to that point? How does it feel for you to be in that club around those people, taking your turn, waiting for your turn, watching other people? What's that whole feeling like? It was interesting. I like I remember I'd always have butterflies in my tummy whenever I'd sit in the water and watch everyone ride. I don't know. I'd I just always be there. I try to be supportive as possible for all my riders in my division, other divisions, watch watch everyone ride, say, Great job, you know, like I love that you did this or that. I don't know. I mean everyone there's pretty nice. It's just a good community. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about being supportive and all that. Uh, just a little segue, difference between when I was competing and when you were competing. I think it's probably personality-based, but I couldn't talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. I was always supportive of everybody, but I couldn't talk to anybody. Yeah. Because the butterflies you described in me were massive and intense, and I sort of had to hold myself together. So I that feel I that. <laughs> so I, that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you feel anything like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's really I get intense. so nervous to give people compliments in general. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'd get nervous to do it, too. I'd, like, stutter as I'm like, good job. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Did you find it hard to support your competitors? Because, after all, you're out there to take them down. I mean, I don't know. I, I think we all, have, like, I would go surf with a competitor, like, now. Like, even, like. Yeah, but you're not competing now. <laughs> <laughs> if we were competing, I still would. Yeah. We have in the past, like different writers like it's really not not that salty (laughs) like okay all right so listen you were also on the cover of a local magazine a very uh, large local magazine here called the austin chronicle Mm -hmm. you were 12 years old when you were on the cover then probably (laughs) you were you were 12 years old (laughs) yeah Uh, what did that feel like to be 12 years old and see yourself on the front of a of a very large local magazine that everybody reads here Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had, like, people messaging me. They're like, what? <laughs> this is you. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And the Chronicle would put me in the uh, newspapers, too, and all that stuff, too. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, I never made it to the front of the Chronicle. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really cool thing. That That's really a, a, a neat thing. And they did a profile on you also in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what did they ask you? What did they want to know about you? I mean, it's just, like, general questions probably you the know? same stuff like, i'm asking yeah you. exactly yeah. like how did you start what did you get in it what's like how's competing what's your favorite thing about it they always ask about fergus <laughs> yeah, yeah, i had to ask about fergus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah not only do i have to ask about fergus but i need to see fergus yeah since I'm oh <laughs> you, you can he's <laughs> let me tell you too just the level you were at you, you know, again competing at the high, highest level and winning at the highest level you had sponsors too mm-hmm. i mean people got behind you and sponsored you yeah what's it like to have sponsors i never had one <laughs> it's so awesome but it is a lot of like social media work nowadays to keep one which i really struggle with what does that mean you got to talk about them yeah, you have to, like, post pictures of them, rep the brand, um, like, post you in them all the time. I don't like posting that much. It makes me, like, feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but um, that's how you keep sponsors now. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I love, like, getting stuff in the mail when I used to when I was younger. I don't anymore. But, like, I remember Sticky Bumps, Surf Wax, which I'm still sponsored by, like, sent me a bunch of wax and, like, board bags and all that stuff and I remember like I was so happy I laid on the floor like on top of all of it and my dad like took a picture of me like that was so cool that was 
I don't know. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> you must have been feeling a lot of your own power at that time because here you are, a two-time world champion. You're sponsored. You're making money. What did that composite feeling feel like? All of that's pretty hef heavy stuff for such a young lady. Did you understand it? Um, kind of. It's it's also, it was kind of different for me because my dad helped me out with so much of it a lot. Like, he ran my social media page. He still runs my Twitter and Facebook. Um, He, like, did all that stuff for me. So I didn't, like, have, like, any sponsors reach out to me personally because I was so young. I didn't have a phone. Like... <laughs> I don't know. He just like helped me out with all with all that. So I feel like I didn't really like learn to build myself up in that way. But I most definitely built myself up just in wake surfing as a sport. But your father's a big part of this. Oh yeah, yeah I yeah. would have never been able to do any of this if it weren't for him. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 amazing. Listen, let's talk about your mom for just a quick sec. Um, your mother's mentioned in pre in in previous interviews. I think that maybe she's had. Or maybe you've had, I'm not sure which. But she was saying that you chalked up your wins. You attributed your wins to your competitors having a bad day. In other words, you won only because they were bad that day, not because you were good. Do you have any recollection of that? I honestly kind of agree with that. Like, all the competitors didn't have, like, their best day ever. I didn't say it was bad, but not, not their best day. But I had my best day. Well, sometimes part of winning is someone else not having a great day. And yeah. sometimes part of winning, winning is you having your best day and mm -hmm. everyone else. It can be any combination of things. The bottom line is winning is winning. Yeah. Did you ever d dismiss or downplay your winning? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. I was just like, oh, like they had a pretty crappy day. Like I kind of just like got up there. But I was also like proud of myself for having my best day, you know? But like it's that's happened to me. Like I've had awful days like and, and like people that like usually don't get up there as much like we'll get up there and I'm really proud of them you know sometimes people have a bad day and you beat them because you're psyching them out or you're causing them to have a bad day because you're doing so well and that's why I thought this was a really interesting statement from your mother because someone having a bad day could be that they're just having a bad day but could it also be that you're performing at such a high level and so well that you're psyching them out I honestly wouldn't agree. <laughs> I like, I think like, so there's also different water conditions, which really messes with people since I've always surfed on Lake Austin. It's not even a lake. It's a river. It's skinny. <laughs> there's a lot of boats on there. It's always choppy, always busy, always windy. So I'm used to surfing in choppy water. There's also many different types of waves that different boats create. Like I will surf so crappy on some waves, but other people will be so used to it. So I think that's another component. And even like the girls that would come down from Switzerland would be like overheating and not <laughs> be doing too good. And like, I don't even know, like it's just like conditions really do affect that. But also you could just be like, woke up on the wrong side of the bed there'd be days where i'd just be feeling so crappy it's funny on my finals run um the first year i won i had like three rockstar energy drinks then i puked in the water <laughs> as during during my Nervous. competition Nervous. run or just too much too drink. much energy drinks <laughs> for <laughs> a 10 year old <laughs> yeah. so like you know everyone just has their own stuff going on and yeah <laughs> I just finished talking to a great Olympic coach who says that 90% of being at the Olympics 
90% of it is mental and 10% is physical. And he answered that by saying that because when you're competing at that level, which is the same level you were competing at, it's the same stuff, uh, that everyone's done the work to get there. Everyone's competing at the highest levels, and now it's what's in your head. Mm-hmm. 90% of winning is in your head. Do you agree with this? Yeah, I I do. That's, that is a big component. That is, cause you really got to, like, go in there, like, at peace or else, like, you, you're just going to stress yourself out and choke up and, you know. <laughs> That's a great point. I want to ask you, how do you handle pressure? What, what does it do to you or is it just a, a natural component of competing and you have no problem with it? What is pressure to you when you're competing and how does it impact you? Well, I remember when I started to not like podium, I started getting like second or third, mainly third or something. I started to doubt myself. A lot, and then that's when I started to get really anxious, like, being being at the competitions, like, I don't know, I'd always, like, fall in the water, be like, fuck, and, like, the <laughs> the coaches would hear me be like, dang, she's not having fun, and, like, I, I would just get, like, so stressed out and overthink it, and when I come out of the water, like, I would start to not have a smile on my face and people would notice. And when would that, when would that begin? Because I don't think you felt that way uh, uh, in When 2000. I was 12. So right after the second championship, yeah, you started to feel it. Do you think yes. the pressure of being the world winner? Yeah, uh, for two years in a row and like winning lots of other comps, really kind of like, <laughs> you know, at such a young age, because I feel like I didn't have to work that hard to get my first title. So now that I'm like tr- having to work really hard to try and even just stay up on the podiums was really stressing me out and making me doubt myself. It was a big difference between chasing which you were doing the first time in a way chasing, you know, winning and, and now having people chase you. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the first one was easy cause you were just having fun going out there and doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Second time, probably a little bit of that, but, but by the time you got into your third one, you have a whole world of people now saying, I got to take this girl down. Mm-hmm. Do you felt that? Did you feel that chase? Yeah. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It creates a lot of pressure for people. All right. Well, Riley, look at, this has been a very interesting background on what it took for you, what you did, and how you became a world-class athlete in wake surfing. Uh, I want to challenge you, though, one day. I want to get out there uh, each side of the boat and see who can do the biggest air. <laughs> I'm, All be- right. I'm betting on me. I'm down. <laughs> but uh, we're going we're gonna to get into part two of this thing next, so stand by. Uh, definitely tune in because part two is where things come apart and come apart in a big way, and she's going to share her story. Uh, very personal, intimate story that uh, y'all need to hear. So uh, thanks for showing up, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>